the central banks together with uh, treasuries or chancelleries stop there being a massive recession as a result of COVID. You could easily have seen economies falling over because of COVID. We stop that happening. When do you take the brakes off? How do you take the brakes off without causing um, untoward effects? It's easy to look backwards and say rates should have gone up earlier to choke off inflation. That's very easy to do. It's very difficult at the time to think of that. And having just gone through a period, you know, the most extraordinary period, I guess, since the Second World War, when economies could have fallen over, you've got to give the central banks a bit of slack. I mean, it's um, yeah, just unheralded sort of times. And I retrospect, I think they've negotiated it reasonably well. As I say, maybe they should have put rates up earlier to take off inflation. But it's very easy for us to say that now. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Welcome to this week's podcast, during which I get brought up to speed with European and UK economics by my guest, Keith Hiscock. Keith is Chief Executive Officer at Hardman and Company in London. Welcome, Keith. Thank you. Good to join you. Keith, 2023 was a year in which central banks globally took upon the fight against inflation by tightening monetary policy. Tell us about the European economy. Where does it sit today? Well, I think uh, both in Europe and the UK, uh, we have seen the peak in rates. And I think we're going to see a gradual reduction. Obviously, there's a great debate about the speed of that reduction. One's got to bear in mind that the rate increases have already happened. Uh, take some time to filter through to the economy as a whole. You know, if you've got a fixed mortgage, for example, or if you've got a car deal, um, you won't see the impact of that uh, perhaps for another year or so. Um, so uh, obviously policymakers are aware of that. So I think we're going to see rates coming down gradually. Um, I'll put some caveats in in a second. Uh, and what we're seeing is a, a, a gradual recovery in uh, GDP. Now, I think both in Europe and in the UK, um, there were many commentators who expected there to be a full-blown recession. Uh, and that hasn't happened, and they've been blindsided by that. But equally, I think the feeling is that the recovery is going to be really quite slow. So if you look at the forecast for Europe, so last year, 2023, growth in GDP was about 0.6% in the, in, in the euro area. This year, the forecasts are looking like 08 and then one and a half in 25 and 26. Now, so there are some caveats and there are some fairly obvious caveats, such as uh, what happens in, in the Red Sea, whether that might delay trade, uh, whether the um, conflict in the Middle East might expand and what the effects of that could be, um, what might happen in Ukraine. So there are all those kind of political economic caveats that might change regulators' attitude, uh, in particular, to squeezing inflation out of the system. So I think we're seeing a gradual recovery. There are some particular issues in Europe. So the two biggest economies are the ones that are probably struggling most, France and Germany. Um, and I think in the case of Germany, there's a big worry now 
about the impact of Chinese car manufacturers in the EV space on their economies. And so you're starting to see the manufacturers put pressure on the politicians to delay the date when you can't sell petrol or diesel cars, to think about more tariffs on Chinese cars, all that sort of thing. I think they're beginning to wake up to the threat to their uh, to one of their biggest industries out there. So so those are the kind of the broad headwinds out there at the moment. It, it's interesting, you know, that growth is actually expected to be faster this year, despite tighter monetary policy. Has the European Central Bank done a good job in controlling inflation to date, do you think? Well, Yes, it has, although quite a lot of it is out of its control, obviously. Commodity prices, oil prices, it doesn't have any influence over at all. Um, but, you know, you're now seeing inflation. So inflation in the eurozone in November last year was 2.4%. It'll tick up a little bit. Um, it's expected 2.9% in December, but they should meet the 2% target by 2025. It's not a December story in the UK. So they have done a good job. I mean, I think there was a worry that very tight labour markets were and uh, pressures to compensate for inflation uh, from workforces, uh, particularly unionised workforces, to push up rates um, would make it very difficult to get inflation under control. They seem to have done a good job against that background. But you're not talking about very big uh, changes in inflation. I, I always remember this from European economics. Yeah, certainly the Bundesbank and now the European Central Bank were very hawkish about inflation and where it's at. But I mean, 2.4% relative to a 2% target, it's kind of nearly there, right? So what, 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 what does the projection for monetary policy look like? I mean, if they start reducing rates, have you got much further to come down? And will it stimulate the economy? Well, just as I said before, putting rates up has, to some extent, a delayed impact mm. on demand. Bringing rates down equally has a delayed impact on a demand on demand. So I think we are going to see uh, rates coming down slowly in the European uh, economy. I remember, you know, inflation's been. Well, look at the UK; it was eleven percent in two thousand and two. It's slightly behind where the where Europe is, but. It has come down substantially. You might argue, well, it's not of the doing of um, the authorities because we've gone through a peak in commodity prices and it's that that's really brought it down. So I don't think they can take all the credit for for it. Well, let's turn to the UK economy. What's the outlook there? I mean, are we going to see faster or slower growth relative to Europe? Slower growth. Slower growth, very clearly. Uh, I've put some caveats in, as always. So as I said, we saw we didn't see the recession that people thought we were going to have. That was a surprise. But equally, the forecasts of the Bank of England's own forecasts are there'll be no growth in 2024, be a half a percent in 2025, 0.8 percent in 26 and one and a half percent by 27. You know, one of the big debates, I think, going on amongst economists is um, have we is this the new uh, environment and are we never going to get back to the traditional two, two and a half percent long term growth rate that we had in the 60s and 70s, et cetera? Um, are we going to be sort of a, not much above zero? So we don't know the answer to that yet. But I mean, certainly forecasts will be going up. Um, so if you look at the UK, the forecast of um, a few months ago for 2025 
was that GDP wouldn't change in 2025. We're now forecasting a half a percent increase. So it's sort of going in the right direction, but we're still not being terribly confident that we're going to see growth in the UK. So in terms of growth, um, it, it's been slow. In terms of inflation, inflation's come down very substantially like Europe. You know, it peaked out at uh, 11% in 2022. Back in December, it was uh, 4%. So it's still higher than in Europe, but it's forecast to get down to 2% by uh, maybe the second quarter of the current year. Um, so there's that going on. Bank rates, five and a quarter percent at the moment is the minimum lending rate in the UK. Um, that is going to start to fall by the year end. At the moment, I think the consensus it'll be down by down to 3.9% by the year end. The caveats around that, obviously the same caveats for the euro in terms of what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on in the Ukraine, but there's an extra caveat in the UK, which is that we have an election. Uh, we have to have a general election by January of 2025. It probably won't be that late. It's all most likely to be in the autumn of this year. That might cause businesses, consumers to reconsider what their plans are for the year. So far, I think you could say what the uh, opposition is saying at the moment. The polls are showing very clearly that the greatest likelihood is that the Labour Party will get elected with a majority. They're setting out their policies now, and those policies seem to be essentially, well, we're going to keep them exactly the same on the financial side as the uh, as the Conservatives. So maybe one shouldn't worry, but it's obviously a bit of a cloud that affects corporate sentiment and consumer sentiment. Now, let's turn to the stock market or the outlook for the stock market. Last year, stocks in Europe underperformed US stocks quite significantly, but they had a good year. I mean, it was just a very good year for, Euro, uh, for, for US stocks. Will 2024 be better for EU or US markets, in your opinion? Well, I think the big decision you have to make is what do you think is going to happen to tech? Because if you think tech stocks are going to perform well, you'll want to buy the US, not Europe. Um, you know, if you don't think that, then you can start to look at Europe. We're, we're seeing very clearly the US economy returning to a remarkable growth rate, uh, which, as I've just set out, I don't think Europe or the UK is going to experience. So there's quite a lot in favour of the US. However, there are some other things going on. Um, you know the the uh, 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 which is part of it. So you know the European economy and the UK economy is much more an international economy than the US economy. You know a lot of lot of GDP is from trade overseas um, for Europe and the UK in a way that it isn't for the US. So the performance of you know markets like China is more important to Europe than it is to the US. There's one sort of slightly countervailing thing I think I, I put in there, which is. Certainly in the UK, the UK has been a particularly poorly performing uh, stock market, um, but we're starting to see quite a lot of takeovers. There's quite a lot of buying of interesting assets by private equity uh, or, um, or or industrial buyers or what seem to be fairly stressed, distressed prices. So um, I think, um, you know, that might start to lift people. If, if, if investors in the UK think that actually these valuations are obviously low, too low, because we're seeing them go out to foreigners, they might start to reassess on that basis. Uh, one, one final question, Keith. 
there's been a remarkable lack of volatility in the currency markets. I think uh, sterling against the dollar and euro against the dollar has really been in a very, very tight range for a couple of years now. What, what, what do you make of that? Well, I think that the main reason for that is probably what's happening on interest rates. Uh, and interest rates have certainly supported uh, the European currencies. If, if, if we were suddenly to see a forecast that rates are going to come down much more sharply, I think that would have some impact on the currencies and the European currencies. The pound would weaken against others. But at the moment, that's one of the sports for Mm. And of course, reducing interest rates would be potentially better for the economies. But again, I suppose it, it, it really matters why they want to cut interest rates that sharply if you're heading for that recession, that elusive recession, I think, seems to be one of the big stories here. Yeah, yeah, the recession that never happened. I mean, it's been a, it's been a really difficult time to be a central banker. Uh, I mean, it's probably never a good time to be a central banker, let's be honest, but you know, they stopped the central banks together with uh, treasuries or chancelleries, stopped there being a massive recession as a result of COVID. You could easily have seen economies falling over because of COVID. We stopped that happening. When do you take the brakes off? How do you take the brakes off without causing um, untoward effects? It's easy to look backwards and say rates should have gone up earlier to choke off inflation. That's very easy to do. It's very difficult at the time to think of that. And having just gone through a period, you know, the most extraordinary period, I guess, since the Second World War, when economies could have fallen over, you've got to give the central banks a bit of slack. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's just unheralded sort of times. And I retrospect, I think they've negotiated it reasonably well, as I say. Maybe they should have put rates up earlier to choke off inflation. But it's very easy for us to say that now. Very good indeed. Thank you very much to my guest, Keith Hiscock, CEO of Hardman and Company in London, for joining me. And Keith, hopefully you'll come back to, on, on, uh, for another episode at some point soon. I'd love to do that. Thank you very much. Brilliant. And to the audience, please remember to rate our recent podcasts wherever you download your podcasts from. And look out for more episodes at IBKR Podcasts. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcasts.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice.